Let's take a minute and we'll talk about bond claims, mm -hmm. a claim against a contractor's payment bond. It's very similar to what we just talked about um, with a few key differences. So number one, to make a claim against a contractor's bond, one, the project needs to be bonded. Not every project is bonded. Right. Um, private projects that are typically larger are bonded, um, but they don't, again, they don't have to be. Uh, the way you find out if a job is bonded is you pull the notice of commencement and the notice of commencement is gonna tell you if it's bonded. Now, if you use a service like Sunray, they are gonna do that research for you when they do that first okay, notice. Okay. And if the job is bonded, they're gonna send the proper notice to the bonding company um, instead of the notice to owner form. They actually okay, use what's okay. called a combined form. It's the two forms together um, to cover both situations. Okay. So okay. if the job is bonded, that first notice is gonna go out um, no later than 45 days from your first uh delivery of materials to the job site again same time same set of rules as before the same way to count the same rules with regard to service um, uh, and the timeliness of that service the same issue with the 40 days so that notice goes out uh, and then now the next step is no later than 90 days from your last worker delivery on the on the of materials to the project you need to serve what's called a notice of non-payment. Um, okay. It's like the cousin to the claim of lien. Mm -hmm. So prior to October of 2019, that form looked like a like a letter. It was a right. letter that was right. sent to the contractor and surety and just said, hey, I'm owed some money, pay me. The current form is an affidavit, has to be signed and notarized. It has a lot more information um, than the old form, but not quite as much as the claim of lien and that form has to be signed notarized and served on the contractor and the surety no later than 90 days from your last work okay, um, okay. so if you need that form you let us know you can go to the leanzone.com forward slash forms yeah. uh, the form is there you can download it for free and use it uh, and that form needs to be received by the contractor and the surety no later than 90 days from your last date of work or delivery to the job site. That 90 days is counted the same way. Um, but remember, now it's got to go via certified mail right. or overnight mail. So you got to account for that delay. So if you stick it in the certified mail bin on day 89, well, guess what? You're, you're never going to make it. Right. So you need to start early, which goes back to the idea of, of starting this process at about day 60. Yes. Um, the last thing you need to do is record, is file your lawsuit to foreclose, uh, sorry, file your lawsuit against the bonding company on that payment bond within one year of your last work on the job or last delivery of materials. Now, here's an important distinction, and it's rather subtle, but we've had clients lose tens of thousands of dollars by making this mistake. I told you when you have a lien, it's one year from the recording date of the claim of lien. For a bond, it's one year from last delivery. So okay. you have the potential okay. to swing uh, up to 90 days 
between the time you have to file that lawsuit on a lien versus on a bond. And it, you could make a mistake and think, well, I sent my notice of non-payment, so now I have a year from that date. No, you actually have a year from the date of last work. Uh, so if you're going to remember one deadline on when you have to sue, <laughs> remember one year from last delivery. That should be the day that you remember. Sooner rather um, than later. Yes, you want to make sure that it's sooner rather than later. Um, and again, this is why I would suggest to you that let's not even wait until we get to the year. Right. Let's start the process of collection. Uh, you send this notice of non-payment out, and then you start the your active internal collection process for the next 30 to 60 days. And if that doesn't work, then you send it back over to us and we will go ahead and actively start the collection process, which is usually a demand letter and then a lawsuit. If um, th there's one other thing, I should say two other things to keep in mind with respect to a payment bond claim. Okay. So okay. number one, you may receive a letter from the surety that says, hey, we received your claim. Please send us this backup information so we can evaluate the claim. It's up to you whether you want to send it or not. I will tell you, again, having done this for 20 years, I cannot think of a single instance in which our client responded to that request and because of their response, they were paid. Um, we usually find it as as a tool used by the surety to find reasons not to pay you more so than finding reasons in order to pay you. So under Florida law, there's no obligation to respond to that request. You can if you want, and you know, sometimes it's easy enough. You can say, okay, fine, here are all my delivery tickets. I, I've got nothing to hide. I'm gonna send it off. Maybe I'll get paid. I just caution you about thinking that because they're requesting it that you think something significant is going to happen. Right. And the main right. reason is that surety ship is not insurance. When you have uh, Allstate or Geico or Nationwide and you get in a car accident, they uh, get your claim, they in, you know look at your car, and they write you a check. And your insurance premiums may go up because you got in an accident, but they don't ask you to give the money back. This, even though it's an insurance company, surety ship is not insurance. When the surety has to write a check to pay you, they go back to their principal, whoever issued the bond and say, we want all that money back. It's not you, but it's the principal. So they have this uh, push and pull that they want to keep themselves out of trouble, but they don't wanna pay you because if they pay you, they're gonna have to get that money back from the principal. So what usually happens is when you send them this information, they just send it to the principal, the bonded contractor, and say, okay, what do you want to do? Look, here's the information. You know, Do you owe the money? Well, remember, this is potentially the contractor who's chosen not to pay you to begin with. Right. So why are they going to pay you now? Because you made the bond claim? So keep those things in mind when right. you decide that if, if you're going to respond to that request. The second thing to keep in mind is that there are situations, and I would tell you that they're rare, but not so rare to ignore, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of the time, especially on larger jobs, 
that if you are providing materials to a subcontractor, which is common, yeah, yeah, that that subcontractor may have issued a bond himself, so that in addition to the bond of the contractor, there may be a bond of the subcontractor. And by the way, there are instances in which the contractor has no bond, but they requested a bond from the subcontractor. So it's possible that the subcontractor that you have a contract with actually has a bond. Now, you won't necessarily know this because there's no recording of this bond anywhere. It doesn't exist in the public record. However, um, you could ask the subcontractor, but we find that they usually won't give it to you because they don't want you to make the claim. Right. So the party that usually is pretty willing to give you a copy of the subcontractor's bond, if the subcontractor had a bond, is the general contractor. Is the um, okay. So one of the things you can do is ask the general contractor, did the subcontractor issue a bond and please send me a copy? Um, again, if you go to the leanzone.com forward slash forms, you will see a request for copy of the bond as one of the forms you can download and use there. And you can send that out. And a contractor who receives that request is obligated to send you a copy of the bond uh, if one exists. And you can send it to, your sub, to the subcontractor too and see if they respond. If you wanted my opinion of of when we are most when when we most likely see a bonded subcontractor that's usually on larger jobs and that's usually when the subcontractor has a contract value in the many many hundreds of thousands and okay. into the millions of dollars okay. so okay. you know if the subcontractor has a subcontract for five six seven eight hundred thousand dollars there's a possibility that they were bonded, that the contractor wanted to mitigate his or her risk of that subcontractor failing, and they got that subcontractor to issue a bond. So always keep that in mind because, and here's why it's really important, that surety owes you a payment obligation uh, just like the contractor's um, surety does. And there are instances in which you and and we run into this occasionally where we will sue both we will we will find both bonds and we will sue both bonding companies and let them argue amongst themselves right. i don't care who pays one right. of you is going to have to pay us and we have had situations in which our clients have missed the deadline to timely serve or sue the contractor's bond but we found a sub bond and that sub bond isn't always governed by the exact same time periods that I told you before. Okay. I'm not going to get into it here on exactly what those time periods are, but just know that they're much more liberal. Right. So right. we can maybe make a claim against a sub bond if when a claim against have. the contractor's bond doesn't exist. So I know that's a lot of information, yeah. but we've no, talked now generally no. about lien claims and bond claims um, and the collection process um as well as some best practices